Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Unlimited. Today, we are talking about to emotional awareness and beyond. (laughs) I may or may not have watched Lightyear this weekend with my kids. And I also love a good fun title. And what we're talking about is essentially that emotional awareness, which we touched on last episode. But then beyond that, what do you do with that emotional awareness? Where do you take it? It's one thing to know that you are having an emotional response. It's another thing to engage it. Most of the tools or approaches, I even should say, in our society when it comes to emotional awareness has to do with controlling your emotions, managing your emotions, using your intellect, your big old brain to get yourself in order. And while, yes, cognition, consciousness, mindfulness, all of those brainy sort of things are important and they are a piece of the dynamic of engaging your emotions, they are not all of it and certainly not in the way they are often utilized in terms of that managing, controlling yourself. If we shift that into a care approach, which you've heard me talk about many times before, if you've listened to more of this podcast, and I will have some links to some episodes where I dig into that further if you haven't heard me talk about it in the show notes. So be sure to check that out if you want to go further with it. But the engagement of care and use of your intellect related to understanding, curiosity, engagement, conscious engagement versus judgment and controlling is a key component. So obviously, we're going to dig into that. We're going to talk about more around what emotional awareness isn't about, so related to that. Meaning-making, so the behaviors and the stories that we tell related, and what do you do with that? The emotional life cycle, owning your part only, and utilizing an emotions inventory. Those are just some of the things we're going to talk about. There's so much more. We are scratching the surface here. There are books upon books upon books written about emotional awareness. So I want to acknowledge that this is just a little bit. If there is a piece that I talk about that you're like, I want Valerie to expand on this. I want more on this aspect. Let me know. I love to hear from you. I love your input. I love your insights. So send me a message. You can send it to me directly through my email, Valerie at ValerieFriedlander.com. You can send it through the form on my website, or you can send me a message on social. Of course, if this is work that you want to dig further into in terms of being able to get out of your own way, a lot of people think about emotions as self-sabotage. And so the shifts that they're looking to make have to do with their mindset because it's triggering their emotional response, which creates reactions which are behaviors that they don't want and they want to do something differently because we are highly motivated by our emotions. If that is a cycle that you are seeing that you are aware of in your life and you want to do work on it, hey, guess what? That's what I do. (laughs) So be sure to reach out and schedule a free consult and we can see if we are a good fit to work together. Now, since we have so much to cover, without further ado, let's get started. 
Hey there, I'm Valerie Friedlander, Certified Life Business Alignment Coach, and this is Unlimited. This podcast bridges the individual and the societal, scientific and spiritual, positive and negative, nerdy and, no, there's just a lot of nerdy. (laughs) Come on board and let's unlock a life that's as badass as you are. I was talking to someone recently about that I was doing a section in my podcast on emotions. And she's like, I can't wait for that one because I'm going through a really rough time right now. And I need something to deal with these emotions that I'm having in this period of change and upheaval. Well, of course, there are emotions in a period of change. That's very normal. And of course, they're uncomfortable because change, well, it isn't exactly comfortable. So I was like, well, that that totally makes sense. But I was thinking about that desire to have something to help with the emotions and how so often we are looking for a fix to the emotions, especially the uncomfortable ones. We want to get away from them, if at all possible. Like, could we just not do that? And it also resonates with this idea of looking for happiness. Like, I want a life that I'm happy. I want to feel happy. Well, of course, most of us want happiness in our life. And happiness by itself is not a full human experience. Now, you may know this, and I think a lot of us know this. And at the same time, it's a very common thing that's promised in a lot of self-help personal development is more happiness, more calm, more happiness. So because of that... I really want to start this off with addressing that emotional awareness isn't about fixing your emotions or even making them less whatever they are. Now, it may bring the emotional roller coaster down from the extremes, like it's not going to be like the intense ride that it's been, but that's not to say that it won't be intense at all. Doing emotional awareness work is about really engaging the fullness of your life experience and learning from all of the layers of humanity in yourself, not just the typically valued cognitive one. The desire to manage and fix your emotions is rooted in the indoctrination of capitalism. It's rooted in the idea that you need to be machine-like and that your emotions are inconveniences. Because frankly, in the society that we function in, this fast-paced, gotta be on it all the time, where we just don't have room to process emotions. We barely have room to process grief. Maternity leave is not mandated. All of these things are very clear places where it's like, hey, there's a lot of emotion in this process of life that we do not allow space for. We have to force it. We have to take it if we want it, if we need it. And we do need it, but we don't allow space for it. So our society is constantly telling us that emotions are inconveniences. And so naturally, we want the easy emotions because the inconvenient ones, we just don't have room to process. And it's very normal 
to internalize that when you're constantly fed that message. When you hear a message over and over and over again, it's very difficult not to have it seep into you. What happens is that our emotions may be out of proportion to whatever's happening, either too much or too little, because we have learned not to allow space for them, because we don't actually have space for them, because we societally look at them as inconveniences. That means that our emotions have to get louder so that we will hear them, so that we will hear the information that they have for us. It also means that we work harder to block them and that we must become increasingly desensitized and unaware of them within ourselves, how they move and what they're really doing in order to continue not allowing space for them. Because if we did hear them, if we did give space for them, we would have to slow down. So we learn to block them in ourselves. And the flip side of that is that we become increasingly oversensitized to other people's emotions because we're so uncomfortable with ours, because we're so disconnected from ours that the discomfort of someone else's emotion feels so much bigger, even when it's not that big, but especially when it is. And then we serve to maintain that status quo of the emotions being inconvenient, the emotions not being valuable, the emotions being something to stop. We become gatekeepers, blocking emotional engagement. And this feeds into codependency, that I feel this emotion, I feel somebody else's emotion, and I need to fix it. All of that fix it vibe of like why people feel the need to fix other people is to manage the emotional space because other people's emotions make me uncomfortable. So I need to fix it for them so that they don't have to feel the feelings that they're feeling because their feelings make me uncomfortable, which is, of course, related to fragility and all of the facets that that plays in our life. There's a lot more here to explore, but I felt like it was really important to pull this forward first and foremost, because as I mentioned in the intro, there is so much information related to personal development that perpetuates this norm, that teaches tools that perpetuate this norm because we are not allowed to give space to emotions. It would disrupt our society so extremely. It is radical to give space to your emotions. So naturally, Anything that's related to personal development from a corporate perspective, but even other spaces, anything related to emotional intelligence, all that sort of stuff often has a facet of how do you function better in society? And it's how do you function better in society the way it is versus going, hey, this isn't okay. (laughs) Hey, there needs to be room here. Hopefully, some of what you'll get from this episode allows for both because it takes time to change. And also, we need this change to happen. You need to be able to be okay and navigate the life in the society we currently have while also feeding and seeding the changes that need to occur so that we can be a healthier piece of the world. I have a personal attachment to this, as I believe I mentioned in my toxic positivity episode, where I grew up in a home that was impacted by alcoholism. And 
I didn't realize it because there wasn't really any emotional engagement. The tool utilized for managing emotions was alcohol. (laughs) So we just don't feel them. I personally think it's one of the reasons why we have such an issue with addiction in our society connected to what I was just talking about. And the time when emotions became dangerous was when that tool no longer existed because it was decided that it was too destructive. Thankfully, it was a journey to getting to a healthier space. And it taught me very early on that emotions were not something to avoid because if you avoid them, then you don't learn how to deal with them. So rather than thinking of emotions as good or bad, or even desirable and undesirable, like the binary thinking of these things, it's looking at it like this is information. So just to recap, emotional awareness starts with noticing, noticing that there's an emotion, noticing that something's happening. Just like, as I mentioned in the last episode, someone comes into a room, the first thing is that you notice that they're there. The next thing is that you acknowledge them. Then you identify, what, what is it? What is this? What, what is being said here? And then you can accept it. Now, part of that process then goes to the meaning that you put behind it. Why is it here? What is it doing here? And oftentimes, it ties to patterns that already exist in our life. So we tend to, in order to respond quickly, make assumptions about the purpose of its presence. What is the purpose of the presence of this emotion? This emotion being here means there's danger. And it could be, you know, this emotion of discomfort being here means that there's danger here. And then we act accordingly. Because we don't engage the emotions, typically, if it is seen as a dangerous or negative emotion, we are in survival mode. We're kick into survival mode of that fight or flight freeze response. When we do that, we have a behavior naturally. We have a reaction naturally that goes along with that because, again, that kind of response keeps us safe. It is biologically wired to protect us. What doesn't then naturally happen is going back and going, hmm, what happened there? What was the meaning that I gave this? How true was that? And I love that question even. How true was that in this present moment? Where might that have been true before? How true is it now? Because usually it's rooted in something that happened previously, whether it was to us or generationally speaking, you know, it can tie to trauma, historical generational trauma, not just our own, but it could be our own. It could be some experience that taught us that this is what is, this is the truth. Dr. Mavis Mazura, an international human behavior specialist who specializes in emotional awareness, talks about how behavior is just the output of what lies underneath, i.e. the feeling. And That is the awareness piece that you can bring in. So it doesn't have to be awareness in the moment. It could be after the fact. And oftentimes when you're initially diving into an emotional awareness, you are retroactively looking at it. You're not necessarily seeing it in the moment. Sometimes we see it in the moment and there's just nothing we can do about it. I had an instance 
years ago with my husband where he wanted to go out with friends and it was so triggering to me, various dynamics related to it, that I knew were related in the past. I knew that it wasn't true in the present, but it was bringing up such stuff for me that I was like, I want to be able to say yes with a full open heart and I cannot do it. I am not there. Emotionally, I am charged. My husband could tell that I wasn't, my heart wasn't in it, as it were. And I just had to be very clear. I'm teaching myself that this is okay, but I am still scared of it. So I need you to make the best decision for you, not based off of me, but based off of what you need. And I'm going to sit with this. I'm going to sit with the feelings that I'm having, and I'm going to just know that they're there because I can't actually make them go away. Because honestly, once the emotion goes off and that cycle kicks in, there's only so much you can do about it. Sometimes it just has to run its course, and it has to see different behavior to make a new meaning from it. So I had a particular meaning that him going off with friends without me was dangerous. It meant it could be the end of our relationship due to previous relationships, well, one in particular, that taught me that it was dangerous. And to shift that cycle of that trigger, that whatever the signal the brain took in that went to the system and goes, oh, you need to fire these hormones off that creates an emotion, then the behavior ensues. And then we tend to perpetuate a cycle. So it could have been the end of a relationship because I could have been like, hey, you're doing this thing. You must not love me. And I would then essentially sabotage the relationship because I decided that what he was doing was the end of the relationship. So I ended it through my behavior. That could have been what happened. But because of the work around holding space for my emotions and going, hmm, yeah, this is this is not based in current reality. This is based in old stuff. I was able to make a different meaning from it. I wasn't taking it at face value. I was looking at what is this telling me about the way I'm experiencing this situation. The emotional life cycle is about 90 to 120 seconds when the electrochemical signal goes through the system, releasing hormones through your system. It's said that, you know, after that, It's a choice to feel what you're feeling, to continue that cycle. That said, that choice isn't always an intentional choice. Sometimes it's an unintentional choice. And also, just because you can choose something different doesn't mean that you want to or that you're ready to because, again, a lot of times the patterns that we have are related to survival, what we felt like we needed in order to protect ourselves, or our lack of listening to our instincts, or our lack of listening to our intuition, which which are two different things. And I talk about that in another episode. I forget which one, but I'll link it in the show notes. So when I say that, okay, 90 to 120 seconds, and then you're choosing to feel that way, I do want to really be clear that It's not really about going, yes, I would like to feel crappy. (laughs) I would like to feel depressed. I would like to feel angry. I would like to whatever. It's not that. It's knowing that that signal doesn't have to sustain. I prefer to look at it with the awareness of this too shall pass. It's a slogan that I've really deeply appreciated to allow that space for myself to be in an emotion that may be less pleasant, but also to have an awareness of the fullness of experience when I'm really having fun. That 
the only constant is change. And so this too shall pass. This is not going to last forever, even if it feels like it is forever in the moment. One of the ways that I like to support myself in a shift around that is through music. I love music that resonates with the way I feel. I have had a tendency to listen to, you know, depressing music when I feel depressed. And it occurred to me at one point, what would it look like if I allowed myself to continue listening to depressing music when I feel down, when I'm having a hard time? but then have a playlist that slowly allows me to shift out of it instead of staying in that space. So I created the Out of a Funk playlist that starts with just kind of like, oh, life, this is awful. I'm helpless. Things are terrible. I wish somebody would save me. All of that stuff. And then slowly builds into more and more empowering songs, going from an awareness piece of like, yes, this is, I'm doing this to myself, to I'm a badass and I'm okay. And I found that to be really helpful as someone who resonates with music, because I'm not going to go, all right, I feel crappy. Let's listen to upbeat music. That's just not going to work because I'm not ready to choose to be in a different space yet. Most of the time, I need to honor the experience that I'm having. So that's one piece of it. Another piece of it is utilizing the curiosity about what's going on, not just in, okay, how true is this in this moment, which I talked about before, but what is this telling me about what's going on? Because sometimes it isn't past. Sometimes it's present. Sometimes there is something going on. Our emotions are information about how we're experiencing whatever is happening in our life. It's not information about truth external to us. Because somebody else could be looking at the exact same thing and have a completely different reaction to it. It's like this visual that I really appreciate of a cylinder that has light shining on it from two different directions. One direction of light casts a square shadow. The other direction of light casts a circle shadow. They're both coming from the same cylinder. It's just the perspective, the angle that it's being perceived at. That is different. So being able to take it out of the, okay, this is truth. This is real what's happening in a factual way and going, this is truth for me. This is my truth of the way I'm experiencing this. And being able to step into that allows an expansion to someone else could have a different truth and they can experience it differently. And that can also be true. And that being true does not negate your truth. Both can be true at the same time. That's powerful, especially when relating to other people, but even to yourself. Like I can have this experience in this space and I can have this experience in this other space and it can seemingly be true, but I could have different factors of what's going on for me. This is all going to come back in when we start talking more about boundaries because boundaries are often treated like they're walls, but they need to have some flexibility for you because you are not always the same. (laughs) So all of this also ties into owning your own part. A lot of times when people feel highly empathetic, again, because of the fragility that we have around emotions, because of the disconnect, because of our society and all that fun stuff, we often want to make other people okay because if they're not okay, we don't feel okay. 
And this is one of the dysfunctions in our society. It's part of codependency. I'm very familiar with it. (laughs) And it's why it's been so helpful to remember that what I say is about me, what you hear is about you, and what you say is about you, and what I hear is about me. And own that no one can push a button that I don't have. So that doesn't mean anything about that button. This is where sometimes we go off as like, well, I shouldn't have that button. No, you have the button. (laughs) It's okay. There's a reason you have a button. Don't beat yourself up over having a button. Please, please don't beat yourself up over having a button. You have it. It may not be serving you anymore the way it served you when it was formed, but it's there and it was there for a reason. So understanding the dynamics of the button, engaging curiosity instead of judgment over having it or over somebody else having a button. Instead of judgment over having a button or them having a button, engage an awareness around it. What is this button about? Why is this button here? How is this button serving me? What do I want to do with this button? This person has a button to this. What do I want to do in relation to this button that they have? What are they doing in relation to the button? How do I want to show up with them knowing that this button is here? It's important also within this piece, this owning your part only, that, you know, their button isn't your responsibility in this moment, that it exists. However, that is not to deflect impact, that your words had impact, that something you said or something you did had an impact that may not be tied to the intention that you had behind it. So what I said was about me, what you heard was about you. So I'm not responsible for your feelings. And it's still important for me to acknowledge the dynamics of power in the relationship because there are many things that influence buttons that are not related to us as individuals, but are related to our relationship to society and our place in that society. So that's not to say take on the emotion of it. It's just to say this is another piece of information to take in, to inform how you want to show up to the situation. A lot of times when we talk about that owning your part only and your emotions aren't my responsibility, no, they are not. Other people's emotions are not your responsibility. The impact that you have functioning in the world is part of your responsibility though. So a lot of times these topics get used as a way of saying, just get over it. Well, I intended this, so it's not my fault that it had this impact. And I also want to emphasize here that there are aspects of it that are true, but it's important not to allow that to deflect from our influence in the button when it relates to societal dynamics. There's a lot there. I can, I'm can. just touching on it. But when we're talking about this topic, I think it's really important that it does get touched on. I'm going to wrap up with a tool that I use that is kind of a combination of a 12-step, fourth step, and the pattern of cognitive behavioral therapy that I call an emotions inventory. And what you do is you you set up columns and you write down the emotion that you're having. And again, this comes to like being able to identify, hey, oh, look, there's an emotion there. What What's it doing here? What emotion is it? But taking the time to write stuff down can really help you process it. So writing down what emotion you're having, writing down what triggered that emotion, 
what you believed, so what that meaning-making was, what you did, so what your behavior was, the effect of your behavior, what you'd like to believe instead, how you'd feel if you believed that, what you would do if you felt that way, and what your next step is. Now, note that this is a retroactive kind of thing. It's not something that you do in the moment, but doing this and sitting with this, allowing space for this, allows your imagination to take you forward into a future instance. Because again, brains like patterns, we tend to perpetuate patterns in some way or another. So it allows you to engage both what happened before, but also with an awareness of what you'd like to do going forward. I will give you a couple examples. Emotion, disappointment, trigger, no one signed up for my event, what I believed, no one wants what I have to offer, what I did, I stopped trying and felt sorry for myself, the effect, no growth, no change, what I'd like to believe, I didn't reach the people who want what I'm offering. How I'd feel if I believed that, determined. What I'd do if I felt that way. I'd search for those people. My next step, market research in groups on verbiage that would reach those people. That's one example. Another one is emotion, hurt, trigger. My spouse didn't acknowledge the effort that I put in. What I believed. My spouse doesn't appreciate me and takes me for granted. What I did. Yelled at spouse and pointed out his flaws. Effect. Argument and tension. What I'd like to believe. It's not about me. How I'd feel if I believed that. Calmer. What I'd do if I felt that way. Have a conversation with him about how we can support each other better. My next step. Set up a time for us to talk. So those are a couple examples of what that emotions inventory could look like. It's something that I have available in the Create Your Flow course under the emotion section. But you're also welcome to go listen to this, write it down, and recreate it for yourself. I know that there's a lot here to digest. And again, we just scratched the surface with so much of this. I would love to hear what hit for you. What stood out for you? What had an impact for you? What would you like to know more about? Where would you like me to explore further? And again, if you want to do work around this and would like support, I invite you to reach out and let's see if we are a good fit to do some work together. I'm excited to let you know that I did reach out to Dr. Mavis Missouri just randomly on LinkedIn. I was like, hey, I wonder if she's on LinkedIn. And I reached out and she responded. So I am thrilled to say that I am going to have her on the podcast to talk more about emotions. So that will be coming up in the near future. So be sure to subscribe so that you do not miss that episode coming up. And of course, many more exciting topics, including the one that I mentioned on boundaries and inner critic and all that fun stuff coming soon. So be sure to subscribe. And if you haven't yet, I would love for you to leave a review of the podcast. That would mean so very much to me. I appreciate you being here and I will talk to you all next time. Thanks for listening. I so appreciate you being here. If you got something out of today's episode, please share it. Leave me a review, take a screenshot and post it on social with a shout out to me. Send it to a friend or, you know, all of the above. Want to hang out more? Join me on Instagram. Or better yet, get on my mailing list to make sure you don't miss out on anything. And remember, your possibilities are as unlimited as you are. Allow yourself to shine, my friend. 
The world needs your light. See you next time.